Greetings and welcome to Bombadil's Porch. I'm Caleb Claus, together with Chris Martin and Nate Larmore. Nate Larmore. You, you almost switched Nate up our last names just now, didn't you? I almost did. You caught me. With Chris Larmore and Nate Martin. Wait. Detected the slightest pause. The slightest pause. Uh, we are three Christian dads. Uh, yep, I think. Doing the thing. <laughs> Talking on the porch. Uh, if you don't know by now. I hope this isn't your first episode because we just butchered that intro. Yeah. But uh, should, I, should we just drop our intro? We should. Should uh, we just be like, hey, hey it's us. We're going to talk about this today. We can That's do right. that. Well, and sometimes we have done that, haven't we? We've started with weird You've done more things. of the, you've yeah. been like the cold start king, yeah. I think. Yeah. I did that one time. You know, the little you make up that our own great. music. That was supposed that was to great, be like a... Actually, I wasn't was, here that, that week, fantastic. but I remember listening and it... <laughs> You're it's like, what so, happened? Remember the movie Strange Brew? They did that. Go, 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 oh, that's go. right. <laughs> that's what was going Strange on. Strange Brew. You the hoser. McKenzie brothers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, oh, it's a yeah. Canadian, it's, yeah. Canadian you, national if you're half Canadian, okay. yeah, If you're half Canadian, you got to watch that to just feel like you're sorry to my Canadian family that might be listening. Uh, but every, uh, every Canadian that heard that is like, oh, we've been hoping the Americans would stop talking about stop that talking. dumb movie. Yeah, we thought it was over. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, uh, boy. I found out this last, not last week, I think the week before, that uh, because I use punctuation in my texting with my family, mm -hmm. my children think I'm always angry or serious. I don't think I mentioned that on the porch yet. But really? Oh, yeah. Can you, can so you go a little so deeper like, there? You, you, you must be mad. As a sign of I know. I'm like... So now I gotta like intentionally not put punctuation on no, my. No. Uh, on don't, my don't do it. What kind of punctuation <laughs> indicates mad? Periods and commas, commas and stuff. And I, I guess. <laughs> nope. I put exclamation points once in a while to make it more like exciting. This is not a problem with you, Caleb. Oh, okay. This is a problem with the world you live oh. in, and our job is to push back. That's Against right. the darkness. Well, I was explaining that, you know, I often, because we have iPhones and iMessage and stuff, I often am doing it from my computer. Mm -hmm. So you're yeah. typing. I'm typing. Yeah. I use double spaces, too, which I'm not supposed to do anymore. Oh, see, that, but, that uh, is, yeah, right. that is a thing. It's oh, on a typewriter. I, well, it is. If you just push a, the face bar twice. I had a professor twice. in seminary who was, and he had, you know, 70 plus students per class and regular papers from all of us that were quite lengthy. And he would still have the time. Every time he saw a double space between a sentence to circle it and make a note in the mar margins, you are using a modern word processing software. It will automatically correct a single space into the appropriate one and a half. Do not double space. Wow. Oh, man. I was like, my goodness. It didn't actually count against you, right? It was just a... A little uh, tip. Those were usually warnings. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Other things. Mm. Uh, I didn't know it was a space and a half. I, I didn't yeah. know. So those didn't usually affect my grade too much. The, <laughs> the thing he marked and he said, I can only assume by this that you have not paid attention to anything I said in class or the material I gave you to read. I did get marked down for that Ooh. one. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. That hurt. Now, I do think if I'm going to, in a text, if I'm going to use a contraction, uh -huh. I will bring the apostrophe. Boom. Yes. Those kind of typos drive me nuts. If, it's, if there's no apostrophe, it's not a contraction. It's just a misspelling. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. maybe, yeah. That, maybe that's a boomer thing, although I'm not a boomer. No, I've a, been called a boomer. It's an English thing. It's an English thing. thing. <laughs> it, is, it's an English it is an English thing. thing. And if we lose our language... We can't communicate. <laughs> and that's so, part of the problem. Yeah. But anyway. I will cut a little bit of slack. If you need to put a smiley face after your sentence, 
Yeah, that's to good. communicate some emotion, whimsy, maybe, perhaps even some whimsy. Yeah, um, yeah. that's okay. Just put it after the period. Yeah. <laughs> it is, and you're good. Yeah. Now, now I'm getting all self conscious about texts I've sent to Chris. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have. Um... I did make the mis. My phone's been doing weird stuff today. Mm. So you sent me a text earlier today, Nate, <laughs> right. and I sent a thumbs up back. I saw that. Uh, you you eventually did because yeah, did I sent a thumbs late. up back. Yeah, and then a thumbs up came back my direction. I saw it pop up on my screen briefly. So I said, okay, good. We've successfully communicated. With thumbs ups. And then like an hour later, I realized I had sent a thumbs up to a random group text about some other random... I didn't even put it in the... I don't even know how it did that. Like we were texting and I was like, thumbs up. And it posted it in a completely separate chat. And then some random... Per- I don't even know who it is. Thumbs up to me back with no comment. And I was like, okay, we're good. And then I realized, actually, Nate, Nate never got that. At least it was a thumbs up. I, I, had, a, I had a terror moment recently. Okay. You know, you, you, you send... You dictate something and okay. you don't proofread. And then you look back at it, you're like, I didn't say that. Um, but this one right. was, I was in a work meeting and something popped up and it was a prayer request uh, from somebody here in town. It was a great, I mean, it was, it was about, an, I think his son plays football. And mm. then that night, the night before his football game, one of the players got badly hurt, thought they he broke his hip. I mean, it's pretty serious. So I go back to send the thumbs up, mm-hmm. not paying attention, and I happen to glance down a minute or two later, and I'd actually hit the ha ha emoji, and I thought, oh, <laughs> oh my no. goodness, quickly yes. change it to thumbs up, and anyway, these are modern problems, yes, communication they are. True problems. True story. The guy probably, yeah. That's probably why the guy never responded. He probably thinks, what a jerk. Somebody needs <laughs> yeah. to make a movie about some war that starts because of a miss, <laughs> like an, either yeah. an auto, what do they call it, autocorrect or an emoji that was wrong or something. Mm. <laughs> there have been some huge lawsuits because of missing punctuation. I've heard oh, about yeah. those what kinds of things. What was the one where there missing was comma the Oxford comma one? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Yes. <laughs> Somebody lost a lot of moolah. Os- yep. Oxford commas saved well, millions. of contracted words. Yes, yes. I did. Uh, I brought a, an a abbreviated. Of the yes, English language. I did. And it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, so here's the backstory a little bit here. <laughs> I, uh, uh, Linda, um, had picked this up for me. So that's the first thing everybody should make note of. Um, <laughs> I love you, baby. He's distancing, anyway. <laughs> distancing himself from this already. I think that's great. I, uh, uh, Linda had gone to bed already. She, she reads in bed sometimes. And so I said, oh, she's reading in there. So I popped in, in uh, and I was like, hey, you know, what you I was putting the ducks away or whatever. I can't remember. And, and came back uh, into the house and, hey, oh, what you reading? You know, did you get like, I thought it maybe it was a little devotional book or something. Because it's you know, tiny. You're holding it's it. Tiny. Yeah. It's I mean, like it's like, you know, I could palm this thing pretty easily. Oh, you know? it's, it's tiny. Yeah. It's like, like an eighth the size of most people's iPhones or something. And now, mm-hmm. I don't know. They're getting bigger. Maybe not yeah. quite. But it is small. Uh, but it's small. It's uh, half the size of a phone, maybe. But anyway, uh, a little book from uh, from 1913. She was reading. Does uh, she picked up for me? I believe for me at a. Uh, she didn't directly say it was for me. I took it. But anyway, uh, uh, written in 1913. This little reprint. 109 years ago. 109 years ago. Uh, and it is uh, don'ts for husbands. <laughs> don'ts for husbands. Uh, I wonder if it was uh, the inspiration for Johnny and Tchotchke's uh, song, Don't Do It. 
If you haven't seen that, so, look she, that up. But, she said, I do at the altar, and she said, uh, don't for the, from yeah, there on uh, over. <laughs> so by, by Blanche, Blanche Ebbett? I don't know. So did uh, she hand you the book, or did she also she, have oh, no, certain she was, passages she was, marked just she, 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 Well, she started reading some of them to me, I think picking out the ones she felt were most appropriate. But uh, but uh, it, it is a bit dated, but there are some funny ones that I thought maybe we could uh, – Yes. You can just, just read a couple of these and get your reactions. Yeah. Agree, disagree, um, funny, not funny. Good. Uh, and this was not a comedy book back then. This no, is, this, this is, is some an advice. Ad, a genuine resource. I, I don't, Blanche, I, I think that's a guy's name. I don't know. London. Is there an E at the end? Yes. Then I, I think it might be a girl. Blanche? Okay. Well, somebody's giving some good advice here. And some of it is good advice. Most of it's just really, you know, it's It duh, is more interesting duh. if it was written by mm. a woman. I think it makes the whole thing yeah. more interesting. I guess we, we could Google her, but I'm the Googler like reading normally. It, it just sound little bits of it. It sounded like a, a feminine voice. <laughs> the author voice just... Yeah, you yeah. are our online access here. Are you Oh, getting... apparently there's a don't for, don'ts for wives. Oh, no. I'm, I'm not touching to, that. Oh. That is a third rail if I ever heard of one. Blanche. Confirmed feminine. Yes, feminine white yes. in French. Derived yes. from the late Latin, Latin Blancus. She was a married journalist. Uh, she married journalist William Arthur Ibbett in Stockport in 1891. She married a journalist? Yep. Okay. That mm. explains. And so she started writing don'ts. They're just just the two don'ts for wives and don'ts for husbands. Can we can we inf infer that this book is the result of her marriage to the journalist <laughs> and the notes she was taking about what not to do? Oh, there's no law against inferring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, it's true. Let's infer away. Infer. Okay, here's the first one. Don't always refuse to go shopping with your wife. Of course, it's a nuisance, but sometimes she honestly wants your advice, and you ought to be pleased to give it. Oh, mm. I like how she ended that. Pleased. Yeah. I was actually reading uh, a bit of a marriage book recently, and that thought there at the end was actually one of the most convicting things that jumped out to me, which is he basically just made some comment that, you know, your wife doesn't need your input on everything. You know, she's a perfectly capable human being, but... Whenever your wife has asked you for your opinion or your input, always give it. Mm. Like, don't just, I don't care. You decide. And I was like, oh, ouch. <laughs> that hurts. Uh, when she has actually sought that input out. Well, that's some good advice. Give it and don't dodge. And I was, uh, I felt a little bruised by that exhortation. Mm -hmm. Caleb, how often do you get invited to go shopping? You know, a recent trip to Costco... Uh, and Linda was reminded by why she doesn't like taking me shopping. So <laughs> just, I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little with like eight, eight t-shirts. No, it's just a little, pants. just a little ADD, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I shop in a much different pattern than she does. You know, she's, uh, oh, is, she, a star, is she a loop and you're like a star pattern? Not really a star. <laughs> I'm not really a star pattern. I, I do the loop as well, but I just, uh, yeah. Yeah, there are certain places that are destinations for me where I'm always going right. to go yeah. to look for something. Same here, yeah. Because even though they move things around, there's still general sections, right? Yes. What are, what are a couple of spots you will, you will hit? Well, I'm always going to check out what meat's on sale, just in case, for right? Sure. See if for there's sure. something on sale there. Mm. I like to stop by the cheeses there at the end, kind of, you know, mm -hmm. see if there's anything interesting. Um, get a block of Parmesan maybe or something. 
hit up some of the frozen aisle. Do you hit the spice aisle? I always hit the spice aisle. I like to hit the spice aisle, but you know, I, I, know I, I always walk down the spice aisle and they either don't have what I need. For example, I, I really need some crushed red pepper right now at home mm-hmm. just to spice things up. But anyway. Um, no. You know what section but, I never hit? That yeah. whole pharmaceutical vitamin section over by the eye. Or yeah. Is that eyeglass? I don't even know yeah. what's over there. It probably would the do us all good too. You know, we're getting older, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. I never go the gummy vitamins and all that. <laughs> Yeah. No. I have to do a lap around the book table. Yeah. You do know? you? Okay. Yeah. See, I generally avoid the center. I'm not normally going. I'm sure they've got great deals on clothes. I'm just not normally going there for that, right? I didn't say clothes. Oh, I, I do not go to the but clothes. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, and, the and then the books. Oh, I got you. I know. But it's right next to it, right? So I, and I, that's how I know Costco's, it's too far. Costco's different for me than some stores. Like, I don't, I really am in for a couple of categories and that's it. I'm not really looking Toilet for everything. Paper. Yeah, you're heading back for toilet paper. <laughs> Linda's, number one Linda's got a list. Belief. They've placed that in the right spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's right way in the back next yeah. to the milk. Sorry, Caleb. No, no, saying? no. Just, just way too many people. Mm-hmm. You know, the lines are long. I'm just, I want to get my three or four things and get out of there. And then half the time I get to the register, and Linda's like, "Don't forget to get." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah." And then you're going back against the traffic up the loop. You know. <laughs> There's and no courtesy. Like, there's no road oh, courtesy in no, Costco no, either, and it extends no. to the parking lot. Like yeah. cart, oh, yeah. cart etiquette is horrible. You can get run down. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's and always if you worth... get run down by a Costco cart, that oh. can be fatal. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> one of those orange ones too. That'll and do I, you in. I park way out, so I, and I'm happy to do that. But it's just you know, it's just you have to. <laughs> I mean, you have to park mm-hmm. way out. But crazy how co- uh, so so uh, yeah, we could go on Costco for a while, but uh, we've touched on um, <clears throat> shopping. And, and so Lin- Linda asked you and then regretted it, bringing you to Costco. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> we, we were like, oh, let's go together. It'll be fun. And I, I had a good time. I think she, she might have been annoyed. She... <laughs> I might have driven uh, her crazy. You kept disappearing, show up, drop things in the cart, disappear again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or leaving her behind because I'm like, ooh, what's this? <laughs> Over there. And the samples don't impress me anymore. I don't even stop the sample tables. Did, I, I just been so yeah, long. Just, yeah, well, I'm with you. That... Half the time they're like some... You know, ben- beneficial <laughs> wafer or something I'm supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, it is still a good place where if you're thinking, we got to get toilet paper. And oh, we, yeah. And we can go out to eat for like five bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The With the area. family, you know. There's That's nowhere true. to sit anymore. You're going to stand there and, and hover. But they did, raise, they did raise prices on a number of things on that they had things. been holding out yeah. on. So The hot dog is holding on. The hot dog is that still is there. St- the hot dog and drink, yeah. I would But the chicken yes. bake went up. And yep. the, uh, the chicken bake went pizza? up. What happened to pizza? Is uh, it, I think it's still to a slice. Okay, I don't. But, I, don't uh, I don't buy the pizza. And ten for so. another pizza, I think. So the things that I buy often go up. So yeah. So, okay. Alas. More wisdom. Yes. More wisdom. All right, to all right, gentlemen. Here's your. Don't. This is just a quick one. Don't keep her in cotton wool. She isn't <laughs> wax. She's a woman. <laughs> sure. Anyway, moving on. Cotton wool. Oh, so practical things like don't flirt with other women. We could stop there. That's a good. Oh, but that's uh, a don't good, flirt with other women. Funny. That's table Your stakes. wife may or may not be jealous, but she will certainly despise you if you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's Which not one. Just, that that's just, not one Linda pointed out to you, Caleb. I no, guess, you're, you're, no. You know, that, that is such a a wicked barb on there too. I like, know. Clearly not a successful or very dangerous attempt on the part of my husband, but I hate him anyway. That's right. <laughs> despise him. I would despise That's him. That's right. <laughs> yep. Okay. Don't sneer at your wife's cookery or bridge playing mm-hmm. or singing <laughs> mm-hmm. or in fact at anything that she does. 
If you do, you may raise an animosity you cannot easily allay. Could, could yes. you me t- I could see her starting to write as an author. I could see her starting <laughs> to write this sentence. And she, what was the first thing? Don't sneer at her cookery. Cookery. And then bridge she went play. to bridge play. And you could see she's getting worked up as she wrote this. She, oh, she, is, she is glaring <laughs> over her paper at, at her journalist husband in the corner. She's getting ready to throw the typewriter at him. Um, <laughs> she must have, maybe she had like a little pocket notebook. <laughs> and then just throughout the day, she would just whip <laughs> it out, glare at him, and write something down. He's like, oh, there's another one. The list is building. I love it. Yeah. Sneering in general is a bad, but, a yes. bad but, thing. But here's one that I thought was kind of, <laughs> because a lot of them are, you know, appear to be written by Blanche or however you pronounce her, her name. But, Blanche. But uh, <laughs> a lot of them appear to take, you know, to defend women, which is good. And this one does in a way, but also doesn't. <laughs> uh, and, and I think I read this one to you guys earlier, mm. but I act like I didn't. But anyway, okay. <laughs> don't, don't say it is no fun to go out cycling with your wife because she can't scorch. Yeah. An antiquated word. I, I'm guessing that means, like, go really fast. Oh. It will do you no harm to ride more slowly than usual, and your company will give her a great deal of pleasure. Her going slow is one of the secrets of her chances at a longer life. Take her with you, and you will avoid that overtaxing of the arteries, which leads to premature old age. <laughs> so it's, it's healthier. Healthier if you take yep. your wife with you and go because, slower. Because she, now my, Nita, because she can't scorch. Nita goes faster. Like, we all got to keep up with her. Yeah, Linda's got a much faster gait when we're out walking. I'm like, oh. <laughs> she's much shorter than you, Chris, but she's got a similar gait. I feel the same way when I go with you to Walmart. It's like, keep up, keep up. Yes, but- so I, sp- I felt like I spent the first half of our marriage wondering, why does Azumi walk so slow? And she's like, slow down, slow down. And then I was like, hey, wow, you know, I feel like we're... We're syncing up here. Maybe I'm learning to pull it back in a bit, and she's walking faster. And then we went to Glacier here recently, and she's way out in front. Chasing her <laughs> twenty miles around the mountains, I was like, "Man, I wish the old Izumi pace would come back, so I don't have to admit I'm the one who's out of gas." You no, were you were stopping more often to admire the scenery and the beauty. It's yes. about the journey. It's about the journey. Yeah, the my sounds of awe and wonder sounded a lot like choking to death. <laughs> <laughs> But that, no, was, that was me. Why is Chris so slow? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the, the, I want to make sure I follow Blanche there. If you should take, gentlemen, you should take your wife biking because she will make you go slower and the going slower will make you gentlemen live longer. Is that, is that? Yeah. Because it'll just be, it'll be a healthy pace. I think that of, was the attempt at a okay. logical yeah, so argument the, there. It didn't quite work. Some of the premises are suspect. Yeah, there's others. Uh, yeah, she didn't have electric bikes either. Yeah, mm-hmm. throws it all. It, so the book is also in a few sections. The largest one is personal relationships. But oh, then what it are has, the section headings? Oh, these? I don't think they're help. actually ever broken down anywhere. Is the problem? Oh, there's no, there's no room <laughs> for a table of contents in there. <laughs> I don't think so. No so table of contents. Really got, long personal <laughs> relationship section. There's some <laughs> jokes here that I will refrain from making. We've got general general habits, uh, personal relationships. I think there's a section on food, jealousy. Mm. Where is the food one? Uh, hints of finance. I skipped over that one. Household matters. Yeah, there's a lot in that little book. Yeah, hobbies. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the relationship Children. one. Where was the food one? Chris, was the relationship one is 80% of the book. <laughs> it, it really is. It, yeah, it's, it's where most of the instruction health. is needed. And, and, and to be fair, 
Not Blanche's fault. <laughs> Where's the food? There was one in the food section I thought was interesting. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So here's one one last one uh, maybe mm, before we move okay. on to something else. Our parting shot. Um, I unless I use stuff. one at the I'm, end or I'm something. About ready to start writing it all down. Well, here you go. I know well, you could buy the book. So that you, don't have to, you don't have to write it down. You could carry it in your pocket. All of the wives can go out and get this little book. Don't for husbands. Public domain. I don't know. It was republished in 20, 2007, so probably book. not yet. I thought it was like a, a you know, like a dollhouse book when you first yeah, pulled it. Yeah, it kind of looks that way. Uh, don't be a wet blanket. It's like dealing with children, okay, in the section. Don't be a wet blanket. In many households, all the lighthearted laughter and chatter ceases automatically as soon as a father's step is heard. It might have been turned off at the tap. So sudden is the silence. This is all wrong. Your children should feel that you delight in their pleasure. Mm. And that's true. That's that good. good. That's, that's solid. good. Yeah. That's a few solid things good in job, there. Good job, Blanche. Good job. Blanche. Nice. Blanche. You've yes. got a lot of bookmarks in there. So this, <laughs> well, is, this yeah. is not just for the show then. No, 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 those, those, were, <laughs> those were just for the show. I just got it last night. I just looked <laughs> yeah. through a few of them this this morning. Did so Linda we had some to talk about She did not. There were others I skipped over. So don't worry. I think there were some about... If you're tired when you get home uh, and you don't want to go out and be with people, don't forget that she's been home all day without, you know, or something like that, you know. So it's like, oh, man. So there are some of those convicting ones because, you know, I I love people. But there are some days when I get done with being with people in the office all day that I'm like, I could just be with my people or alone. But anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Not that you're you're not all my people. Well, it's (laughs) weird, too, is – a lot of us, speaking of people, uh, there was a time, like you go to work and you are wearing a different hat, right? It's just yeah. a different dynamic, different expectations, different social dynamics. And um, it's for a lot of folks, there was a study about that. That commute home was a big, was an important decompression and like shifting the gears because you're, mm. you're playing a different role. You're the same person, but you get a different mm-hmm. role when you get home. And um now the work from home, that commute is like up up 12 steps or whatever it is. So now we need True. a whole new don'ts book. Kayla, maybe Linda can write her own. I think yeah, we'll, well. we'll get we'll get all the wives get here her to own pitch there we in. Go. Yeah. There you go. There's all, all your right. don'ts. Speaking of people. Oh, I don't know where we were going. <laughs> I was getting ready for a great segue. I know. Because to our listeners here, we, we put Caleb in charge last week. Uh, we said, okay, bro, you're gonna bring you're gonna bring some and you brought a great book. I by did, the way. thank you. I brought a I brought a book. And mm-hmm. and we're gonna let you drive the ship and because <laughs> of Chris and my tendency to monologue. I don't know. So they threw it back at me. I'm not throwing it back at me. So speaking of people, uh-huh. you were gonna say Speaking of people, uh, there are thousands, if not uh, tens of thousands, um, of people amassing at the border uh, of Russia and Georgia and other borders where Russians can get uh, get out, specifically male people. Specific, specific, of the fighting age? Of the fighting age, yes. So uh, Russians are trying to escape their own country. Yeah. Not all Russians. Not all men Russians. Men of fighting age. A lot of men of fighting age. And uh, there's one, uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody's following that, but one guy who was interviewed but didn't want to give his name, of course, but uh, <laughs> uh, just said he, he literally, when he heard the news that uh, that Russia was uh, conscripting 300,000 uh, uh, men, um, that he grabbed his passport because he knew he fit in the category, the age groups that they would be looking at. 
and uh, and fled for the border of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Others getting flights as soon as they can anywhere where they don't need a visa to get to. And so I'm not I'm sure that there are not not everyone in Russia is leaving, but uh, but it's uh, it's uh, interesting to see that reaction. Uh, of course, uh, Russia is trying to, especially Putin is trying to to get a his military bolstered again, his army bolstered, so that he can continue uh, to uh, to work toward uh, his conquest there of the Ukraine. Because that's uh, and I haven't followed. I mean, admittedly, like when this, these things first happen, everyone's glued to yeah. it, right? And it's gone on yeah. for a long time. Oh now. yeah, still going on. Yeah. So Russia's weakness has been exposed. Um, Yep. The strength of the Ukrainians has been on display, but Russia is losing this. Yes, I mean they're doing they're inflicting great damage, but they are losing ground. Um, they're having great difficulty holding ground, mm-hmm. and so is this. I, I guess could we say this is a stop, kind of a, a shore up the the fractures effort to get more bodies, more Russian art soldiers in there to. How yeah. much do you turn think this it's around? settling into just a war of attrition? I mean, if it, mm-hmm. is that is. It seems like that's almost a guaranteed win scenario, is if Putin can maintain enough political control and willpower to just keep trickling enough soldiers to make the Ukrainians be in emergency mode for long enough. It just seems like he can keep that up longer than they can. He'd be following in the tradition of Russian military Mm, tactics, like centuries worth, right? It's just more people, more people. Mm -hmm. So I wonder... I think we're used to such short news cycles. I think he has a longer memory than mm-hmm. we do in the West. And so I I would be on the ground, who has had the biggest gains recently? The Ukrainians. Uh, abroad, who has the winning uh, publicity? <laughs> it's the Ukrainians. Um, who's more likely to win this, bo- this war if both sides are equally com- committed to the outcome? I still think the odds are in favor of Russia just because I think they can keep this up longer, but maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. I don't know that they are equally, uh, you know, the premise there is that they're both equally committed to the outcome. And I yeah. don't know if that's true. I think it's really hard to even express how committed many Ukrainians are uh, to not being under Russia's heel again. Mm-hmm. You have a different level of urgency when you are yeah, invading something else. As opposed to when you are protecting your own mm-hmm. front door or backyard, there's a, yeah. it's a right. different level, of, different survival instincts are kicking in. Yeah, and I think I think had the Ukrainians not been uh, the force that that they are, and they had they been the force that Russia thought they would have been, I think there would have been, you know, the, that initial push was like, oh yeah, we're going to go do this because we should do it. Mm-hmm. But I think the longer it wages on, now you've got people reacting, going, oh, man, we're not really sure about this anymore. Right. More more Russians have had time to reconsider uh, as far as, you know, whether or not they should be a part of this and, you know, <laughs> or, or shouldn't be. And, mm-hmm. and even if they're, if they're yeah, either yeah. divided or just indifferent to whether or not it's happening, it's it's hard to escape when you're being uh, being conscripted, uh, you know, into, <laughs> uh, into a, a war that you either mm-hmm. – you know, that you're not really behind, right? So, yeah, they tend to be lousy soldiers too. <laughs> the kind of people that have been forced into something. Uh, they- yeah, if if you're the soldier that's there because you genuinely believe this is the existential fight for the identity of my people, and you're going up against the guy who enlisted for free college and is there putting his life on the line so that somebody who's becoming increasingly unpopular can have a, another warm water port. 
Like there, the motivation gap is massive. Yeah. I think that's part of the reality, but that it, I also am curious to see just the test of the resolve and the metal of, of the leaders that are involved, because this is entering into a new phase, mm-hmm. right? There's going to say like the honeymoon phase of war, which just sounds like a weird contradiction, but there's the, everything so, is new and it's like dramatic <laughs> and it's inflamed and, um, you know, the, it's a time for heroic speeches and mm-hmm. posturing and chest thumping. And we're sort of settling into the slog, right? Where mm-hmm. it's nobody's having fun anymore. Everything's a mess. Everything is rough. The resources um, that have been expended that were, you know, the initial things right. that you thought would be help you get over, you know, the hurdles. Yeah. And- the, the West's kind of love affair with Ukraine, I think, is already waning. Again, back to our short attention spans. Mm-hmm. And so the Ukrainian people... I think are starting to feel a little more isolated again and just the degradation of other country. There's lots of pressure from a lot of sides to just make your compromises, figure this out, find a resolution. And that's true for both sides. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know if you guys, we, we know Putin can play a long game. Mm-hmm. We know he can be a stubborn guy, but even he's going to have limits. Um, who do you think in a staring contest comes out on top here? Between a, a Zelensky and a Putin, or do you think they're really the right people to be talking about, or is there? Yeah, a, I, hmm. I, I think it depends. So I think Zelensky is uh, less dependent, perhaps, on those people that are on his side. I mean, I think, in other words, I think Putin hmm. could could end up in a position where those who he needs to support him lose faith or grow weary of this, um, weary of not seen the results, mm-hmm. um, which either has to off them all, you know, systematically, which, was it, which may or may not be happening six of them already. recently have had unfortunate heart well, attacks or yeah. fall down the stairs. Or events. the one guy who uh, just tragically decided to fall ill and jump out of a hospital window to commit suicide. Yes. <laughs> which maybe, I mean, maybe in oh. a, in a, but okay. there would be a situation behind that in which it They're, was desperate enough that I need to jump out of this window to avoid whatever else. There two guys at the door saying, we can do this the easy way. <laughs> Comrade. Or you can jump out that window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. Well, it does. It does. There is a point at which, I mean, it's just hard to say. Russia has such an interesting history as a people, as a, a, a personality of a nation, such an yeah. interesting history. But uh, you do... You do wonder if, back to your question about the staring contest, I mean, Putin, I don't think he has eyelids, so he can just stare all day, right? But the question is, is do his, how long do his people, how long does the state, the mm-hmm. people... Right, because he's not just staring at Zelensky. He is staring at a lot. Of, it's, a, it's a survival game in Russia. I remember right. hearing, a, it was a really interesting Dateline documentary, but they talked about why Russian presidents... Never retire because <laughs> they can't, right? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. the, their power is what, you know, the term president might as well be uh, dictator or something like that, but it's just present. Present stint. So he's got a survival that um, he's got to protect. I think, I think this whole war has been mm. so interesting. In many ways, I think it, it, it brings attention to this whole thing of propaganda. Yeah. Mm. Everybody had this. This terrible fear, and rightfully so. I mean, Russia's got nuclear weapons. They do have influence. They certainly have Europe um, eating out of their hands for the Mm -hmm. time being. Uh, So they do have a lot of power. There are a lot of levers they can pull to manipulate uh, other nations. But one of the things that's been exposed is I think everyone still feared their military. 
Mm-hmm. And I think this has certainly exposed a couple things. One is uh, they weren't as strong as they said. Second, they don't have as many tanks as they said. And third, um, this is just more of a general observation. Uh, I think tanks go away. Um, tanks do There's not. There's a lot of people talking about that. As mm. a weapon. In fact, um, the Marines are moving away from tanks. There's a lot. The, the inexpensive and accessibility and easy to use weaponry, anti-tank weaponry has kind of exposed the Boy, how old is the tank? The century right. weapon. Um, it's been in place for at least a century, has exposed it. So so it's fascinating. A lot of things going on there. You're you're seeing uh you're seeing the Russian military might for what it kinda is, rusty and old. Um, you're seeing uh in in a level of inexperience in in the troops as well. That's the other problem with this mm-hmm. drafting three hundred thousand folks. Mm-hmm. There's this assumption they're immediately going to be good soldiers. They're going to be novices, uh, barely trained, probably. So not very effective on the battlefield. Um, you're seeing you're seeing a transition in technology. Uh, the same thing happened in World War One uh, with the onset of the machine gun, uh, and that really wasn't recognized right. for a while. Hundreds of thousands died foolishly, but new technology changed the tactics of the battlefield, and yeah. so we're seeing new technology, shoulder-mounted weapons, a variety of weapons coming in, being funneled in from the West, paid for by the West to the Ukrainians, and you're showing how one a one or two man team with a relatively inexpensive expensive weapon can neutralize or paralyze mm. entire armor uh, movements. So mm. that's kind of interesting. But back to the staring contest question, I, I think it depends on the West. If, if mm. this, if this, like so many things, if our support for Ukraine was just, Oh, I'm going to change my Facebook background to the Ukrainian flag. And mm. I'm with you. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, print this sign and put it in the store, my coffee shop, Ukraine, you know, Ukrainian, mm-hmm. Ukrainian, Ukrainian strong kind of things. Hashtag. If, if our attention spam is, is truly that uh, fickle. Um, I think in the, and if the West uh, mirrors that, you know, the, the fickleness of populations is mirrored by the support of States. I, I, I do think that you find Ukraine in an extended war of attrition of which they cannot win. Um, but if 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 the support continues and the cost of being in Ukraine ends up being higher than it's worth, um, if if Putin runs out of tanks, which he seems like he's rapidly <laughs> moving in that direction, <laughs> if he continues to not be able to wage an air war, that's one of the more fascinating parts. I of I saw this, last I think. week that they mm-hmm. declared Russia no longer has air superiority over Ukraine, mm-hmm. and for the longest time, I think it was mediocre at best. There was like a fear. But then it just shows you again, the defense, the technologies change, right? Yeah. Uh, I think for the longest time, most of their weapons other than choppers, most of their um, uh, air to surface missiles were being launched from Russian airspace. Mm. So they weren't even invading into Ukrainian airspace. Just all of this really exposes, I think, the 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 change in in weapons, which drives changes in tactics and and also, I think it dry, It also exposes the, the propaganda of nations. Mm-hmm. I think another another kind of I don't want to jump off Ukraine too much, but another uh, nation that has done an exceptional job via its propaganda of creating a really formidable reputation for itself is China. And and when you actually and, and, and are they formidable in terms of their spending and their technology and their capability? Yeah, within a certain range of their own borders. So that's another one I think that is probably. See, uh, maybe learning from some of these lessons. I think a lot of nations are looking at Ukraine, learning lessons, learning about mm-hmm. obsolescence of certain equipment, and yeah. uh, um, 
you know, hard hard to say if this will continue. But if it is a staring contest or of attrition, there's no way Ukraine can keep up just simply because of the numbers. Right. So it seems to me like you have one side now that's increasingly incentivized to bunker uh, because they they tried the just get this over with and be done with it, and that didn't work. And the other side is incentivized to try to bring this to a conclusion more hastily. Um, I'm trying to think, what are the other factors that would play into Russia's calculus? Like, what can Putin not afford to lose? You yeah. know, that, that, that could also be threatened by a protracted engagement. One would be his life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. again, like we've talked about, that can at some point become an issue. And he has been ill for a while, right? Mm-hmm. There, I've not heard much about there was, that. But- yeah, it seems like it was, I don't know, again, a lot of hearsay, but... It seemed like there was a more serious phase and he may be out of that. But mm-hmm. And even that could have been misinformation from True. his enemies, right? That that's uh we see yep. there's a there's a long, wonderful oh, tradition of, of spreading lies about your enemies. Even some of the a lot of the stereotypes about Napoleon, totally made up by the British <laughs> to humiliate sure. uh, Yasser Arafat more recently, a uh, similar thing, uh, mm-hmm. spread rumors about your enemies. Uh, the Mossad and the Israelis did a great job of that in his case. I know when we went uh, to the Ukraine years ago, back in the 90s, they told us, don't smile too much in public places because they still believe the Russian propaganda that the only reason Americans smile is because we're trying to shame the Russians with our superior dental care. <laughs> and so it's an insult that we're insulting them. And we're, every time we smile, what we're actually saying is we think you guys have terrible teeth and look ugly. So uh, America yeah. does have a global reputation. <laughs> uh, one of our chief exports is perfect teeth. Uh, mm, it seems to be a uniquely American thing. <laughs> But uh, yeah. there, you know, we would probably be remiss talking about what Putin might do because there's been so many mm-hmm. headlines about would he use tactical nuclear weapons, um, which are, are, more, are there other varieties? I always hear tactical nuclear weapons and it's, it's like as opposed to like it's a question of where it lands. Right. <laughs> so so ta- ta- that's, that's too serious. Let's use one of our willy nilly nuclear weapons. <laughs> that's right. No <laughs> tactics here. <laughs> So you've got you've got two general categories, right? You've got yeah. your your intercontinental ballistic missile ICBMs yep. um, that make <laughs> that that will push a nuclear mm-hmm. device far away onto right. a different onto a different continent, right? Sure. So you've got those. Then you have your more tactical, which tend to be smaller yield and closer delivery. Um, in some ways, you kind of say, "Well, why would I want to do that?" And that's why you, you kind of wonder about the practicality of tactical weapons. If you, so that's what tactical means in yeah, a short if, range. If I shoot, if I put this in a in an arc, in a as a form of artillery, I put this mm-hmm. in a one of my guns and I fire this tactical nuke fifty miles away, and it blows up the bad mm-hmm. guys. But but then the wind is blowing towards me. That's bad, right? I don't want the right. fallout to blow Whoops. back on me. And that's a big question because Ukraine is a neighbor. Would you use would you use nuclear weapons? It doesn't even make sense because the whole point of invading Ukraine is to occupy Ukraine so that you can have a buffer against unless, Russian unless powers. It's, unless it's one of those, if I can't have it, you can't either. Yeah, yeah, which is possible. But I, I think he really wants those ports. Well, and that's he, kind of the whole reason of going in, right? He's not trying to make a great big glow-in-the-dark art project. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, would, they, would they would they bring those nukes close enough to, you know, via subs or whatever to to, to our country? 
Well, and that's and try the, and use them just to keep the West out of things. Oh, a bit of a bit of analysis. <laughs> I don't I mean, think that's whole, how that works. <laughs> it's the whole point of having. <laughs> I mean, I know it would get us involved in things, but as a threat, <laughs> you're just watching two guys fight, and one of them breaks off to go and punch a guy in the crowd, <laughs> just so you don't get involved. <laughs> well, so, but the, the the other guy keeps giving the other guy bullets. So, or, or, yeah. So but that's the whole reason you've got uh, got a submarine force, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is is so that you can park nukes out there, and, and everyone's afraid of messing with you because they don't even know where they are. Mm-hmm. I heard an interesting bit of analysis. By the way, this reminds me of a, one of my new favorite jokes, but you guys are both too far away to tell it. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of physical comedy, but it's uh, if I was closer to you, Caleb, I would I would say knock, knock. And you would. Hey, who's there? KGB. KGB who? We are asking the questions <laughs> here. And I'd slap uh, you right oh, across the oh, face. Right? Wow. So that's how it would work. Wow. But, uh, that sounds like a hilarious joke. Yeah, it is funny it's, for everybody else. It's great fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But back to uh, back to nuclear. Uh, so there you go, Jack. When Dad gets home, <laughs> oh, he still loves this joke. I've told him that joke already. And it, was, it wasn't a hard smack, but everyone thought it was fun. Yeah. And he immediately wanted to try it on me. I was, was going like, to say, no, did no, he get no, a chance no. to tell the joke too? This okay. joke only goes one way. Um, I heard an interesting <laughs> bit of analysis on... Will Putin use nukes or not? And and the quick out the first part of the analysis was uh, he won't use them in Ukraine because it defeats his whole purpose for the whole campaign, and that mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was the question of, well, where would it make strategic sense to use them? Well, at the point of analysis, which is about oh, was several weeks back, so at that point it was well, the primary he would not use it against Ukraine, but if he was going to use it, huge if. Mm-hmm. It would only make sense to use it against the his Western enemies that are allies of Ukraine. So countries that are providing arms to the Ukrainians to mm. destroy all of mm-hmm. all of his um, military resources. And the list of cities was kind of scary: um, mm. Stockholm, Berlin, London, Paris, and um, I don't know if the Swiss are assisting. Uh, might have been, might have mm. been Belgium, might have been Brussels, but anyway. Um, maybe because of the EU. So the point was, if he was going to do it, that's where he would do it. But that creates a whole new set of problems for him mm-hmm. to manage. And then, and which that's, it, that's yeah. one way to put it, a whole new set of problems. And, and what's kind of interesting about people that work at this level of strategy, um, uh, of strategy is a, uh, I always have this, this stereotype of Rand Corporation people wearing black suits mm. with thin black ties, playing chess, and then like whiteboarding. Oh, yeah, if he nuked Stockholm, then this would happen sort of thing. Um, but that's kind of the, the strata that these folks operate at. But So it didn't make a lot of sense. It would create more problems than he already had to deal with. But uh, the analysis concluded, and I thought this was really interesting, that the greatest risk, because it begs the question, okay, if he wasn't going to do that, uh, would he just as you know, Vladimir's last stand, everybody's getting it, press the button, fire at everybody. Um, It led to the greatest risk right now to him personally is that if he does give an order to launch, it won't be in secret. Uh, Intelligence services around the world would know because of this level of surveillance and more importantly, his own military would know. But if he does give the order to launch and the weapons don't actually work, it's, it's far more disastrous to him in the long run because his military, his conventional military has already been exposed as weak. His Navy is rusting away and what few ports he already has. His submarines um, are inoperable. The one thing he's got left that even makes him a player on the world stage is a nuclear arsenal. And if he gives the order to launch and it doesn't actually launch anymore, um, 
he's got nothing. So I thought that bit of analysis was really interesting. So it seems safe, at least according to that, to that report, it seems safer to do, to not even, it's better to have a nuclear arsenal that doesn't work, but no one knows <laughs> than, than to have one that doesn't work and suddenly everybody knows. To so. keep your mouth shut and uh, be thought wise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I tend to think, yeah. uh, well, we could get into some eschatology. Uh, oh, 44 minutes and five seconds. Though. Oh man. Speaking of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when you're running the show, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else were we going to touch on? We we're going to talk a little bit about Camp Hope. Are we going to do, yeah. do a transition? Uh, we could pivot to that. Pivot. Yeah, so pivot, our last, pivot. Our last hope, oh. our last hope in our the Ukraine situation ooh, ooh, ooh. is that um, cooler heads will prevail. But speaking of hope. Speaking of hope. There we go. Much better. Much, that's, uh, or speaking of people, people. Camp Hope is yes. populated. What is Camp Hope? Uh, yeah. yeah, Chris, what is Camp what Hope? Is Camp Hope? <laughs> I was going to look at you. Yeah, it is. It's been interesting to watch the development of this um, camp for uh, homeless individuals that is right off of I-90 here uh, in the Spokane environs and watch it grow into kind of a little city now. Um, it's, 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 it's kind of one block, right? There's a couple blocks or something. It's RVs, it's tents. There's a lot going on over there. There's a I, lot going on over by. there. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, it's it's captured a, at least a lot of the headlines and discussions in our local news because it's become an issue, right? Mm-hmm. It's, this, is, this is not a new city development, <laughs> right? Uh, um, and and what, what do we do uh, when a new... A new camp springs up among us like this. There's some weird jurisdictional stuff where I'm not entirely sure all the reasons why, but the Washington State Department of Transportation uh, is being requested to be the ones to dismantle this camp. They're saying we won't do that until we believe that there's a sufficient plan to take care of the needs of the people who are going to be displaced. And now Spokane's in a big uh, finger pointing, uh, Matt's trying to figure out who then is responsible to deal with these people in, in helping them out. Uh, I was listening to some interviews with some of the people who are there at Camp Hope as they were asking them, well, why won't you leave? And there was uh, some rumors that a proposal had been put forward at one point. Hey, what if, um, what if we promised these, some of these like pallet sized small homes, tiny homes, we could give one of those to everybody who lives there you know, and relocate them over somewhere else with a little tiny home to give them a place to call their own. And somehow that swirled in the camp, even though the proposal was rejected immediately by the city council, they were saying, yeah, a bunch of us are afraid if we leave, we'll lose our chance to get a free mini home out of this. And so Mm. they're digging in even as the city's trying to incentivize leaving. And so there's another unintended consequence and propaganda. <laughs> but, Interesting. Yeah, so there's some of those dynamics going on. The city's also engaged in a fight. They've been trying to open up some new housing for individuals like this uh, by converting a hotel. Um, and the neighborhoods around there have pushed back. They don't want to see that coming because they're concerned about how that'll affect their community, community and the safety of it. Meanwhile... Around Camp Hope, um, that has attracted a lot of crime and and some other undesirable behavior uh, that's affecting a lot of local areas with increased theft. And I mean, some of it's not been particularly intelligent. I saw one guy who had his bright red pickup truck stolen from just like two blocks away mm. from Camp Hope. And then he's like, hmm, I'm going to go find my truck. 
which then was parked right in front of a shanty there in <laughs> Camp Hope. It's like, bro, if you're living in Camp Hope, you don't steal somebody's bright red pickup truck and then park it in front of your house. Where did, where did the name Camp what? Camp Hope come from? I don't from? know. Yeah. It seems like... There's propaganda there, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that that's this some is kind not, of an activist group said. This is not your hope. There's nothing hope, hopeful about this. No, this, this is not well. The Do we know... Do we know what, who lives in Camp Hope? Are these actual people from the area? Are these people traveling through? And why there? I mean, I think one of the reasons why there is because they could, right? And is this, well, is well, there this was, state property? There was, well, it's, it's, but the reason the, the Department of Transit is involved is it's owned by Washington State Department of Transit. Right. That's land that was, I think, cleared for the North-South Freeway, isn't it? For the interchange there at the so. end of... Yeah. So how did they know? Freya. I'm cu- always curious about this. How did the first person, the founder of Camp Hope, know that? Don't be... There's... One of the things that I've I've learned um, talking to some, some different folks that have intersected our lives, it's, it is interesting. There's like this whole underground information stream about all the stuff you can get away with, mm-hmm. right? It's don't be. Uh, a lot of these individuals have regular interactions with the law, which means they have regular interactions with lawyers, which means they learn very, very quickly what exactly you can and cannot legally do. And so that there's a and that information then gets immediately pumped out. Like, hey, you know, I was here and they tried to bust me, but then I got off because it turns out there's a law that says. And so now that's going to be circulated. And so then everybody mm. knows, ah, you can actually stand right here and they can't touch you, even though if I move over two feet, then I'm in trouble. So I'll stand here. So that there's there's a lot of information that circulates more quickly than we might realize. So there's a level of sophistication <laughs> sure. to this. And there's a level well, of... I mean, they got power pulled in. They're, they're building yeah. actual homes, infrastructure, internet. I mean, there's, there's... There's a level of complexity here that... This isn't that their first rodeo. The... That that would suggest these are not not folks that have no other options. The <laughs> fact that they have access to information, access to many things. So I I don't want to prejudge anybody over there. I don't even know them, but I just find mm-hmm. these kinds of ins- installations that pop up in the exact right place to create mm-hmm. a legal dilemma always right. interesting because they um, if they had picked a block, you know, an undeveloped block. There's many of them in the city. They would have been on private property, and this probably wouldn't even have become an issue. They've picked the right land for this to yep. to gain to gain attention and gain leverage. And it sounds as if, to your point about the uh, folks thinking that if they left, they'd lose out on the opportunity to get a, a free tiny house. They they understand leverage. They understand negotiation. There's a lot of complexity here, sophistication <laughs> here that that goes beyond just a shanty town. Most of us don't understand. I know I very much don't. Um, what that's kind of a lifestyle is like when you're living in the urgency of the moment, mm. almost nonstop when you, you have not collected the the stability, um, of stable relationships, of a stable place, of a stable income stream, of a stable food source, uh, just those things that we take for granted. Um, there's, there's a very interesting kind of intuitive street smart that is a real thing you know it's you know often portrayed in movies and books and stuff but it is a real thing that 
that almost instinctual resourcefulness um, that comes from trying to survive in that sort of an environment uh, is is pretty impressive in, in some some regards. But you you start to um, concentrate that in an area with a lot of individuals, you create something very unhealthy because you're you're concentrating people that are not in a healthy environment into another unhealthy environment. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that is not a place of hope, right? That, that is yeah. not going to be, you could, you could just build, build a nice little, uh, sidewalk around there, put up a placard that says the city of new hope and just say it, it's yours. And, and 20 years from now that will not have emerged into a utopian mini metropolis, right? It's just, that's going to be a place where people get hurt more over time, not less. And, uh, you know, there'll be those that probably take issue to that. But I I think there's been enough I, I, enough experience mm-hmm. in the world to say we, we kind of know the trajectory that such a, a place would have. Well, and from the sounds of things, even Camp Hope is not claiming a utopian current state. It sounds as if there are, no. there are uh, I'm not saying everyone in there is this way, but somebody stole a truck. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 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 and from the looks of things, it doesn't look like these are well-resourced um, places. I, from what I can see from the road, I, I haven't walked no. in there. I've just driven by. <clears throat> it, but it raises, it raises the interesting question of just how, res, how responsibility works and how the different layers of society are to function in, in that kind of a scenario. I know we've talked about some of those things in the past, I don't want to over belabor them this late into the porch. Um, mm. But I do think that there are lessons to be learned because Camp Hope, I believe, is a symptom. Mm. It is it is a reaping of a kind of seed that was sown mm-hmm. uh, for quite a while. Uh, it's, you know, things like Camp Hope is not a new phenomenon, but I do believe it is a sign of change in our area because there there's more than just socioeconomic preconditions for a camp hope, right? There are a lot of philosophical, moral, social preconditions in which a camp hope can form. And, and I think one of the reasons why it's occupied so much space in um, our, our news and our local reporting is because it is representative of uh, where there is a clash over what this city is going to be. I don't know. Do you have a, hmm. does that strike you as barking up the right tree or my off base there? What do you think, Caleb? Yeah, Caleb, monologue. Monologue. Yeah, clontologue. Monomonologue. I think, I think Spokane's got a bit of a problem that we have done a really good job of caring for homeless in a bad way. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, we've done a good job of of giving them things, um, which which has which has actually propagated, uh, you know, more and more homelessness. And there are people on the street that that need help genuinely because they have they have uh, mm-hmm. mental, uh, you know, handicaps, uh, different different disabilities, things that that have have led them to where they're at. Um, we have people that need help um, because they've made poor decisions in their life and they need to to get back on track. Um, but but that's not. Res- solved by just giving them um, temporary things, things that might help them. It, it's, it must be much more than that, which is why we have great, great organizations, even locally that are trying to do that. Um, you know, UGM uh, to name one of, of others, you know, um, 
uh, the ones that, you know, in name just provide housing, uh, you know, I know the idea is, for example, the, the Pope Francis Haven right across the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the way from where I live. Um, you know, the, the goal was, you know, you get these families in there and right. they're there and they, and they have to go through programs to help them, you know, kind of get on their feet and then move on. And, and that part of it kind of falls apart pretty quick because there's always these loopholes to why people don't have to move on. Right. And they don't have to work through the program. The family's already there. What do we do if the parents don't, you know, if the parents don't do that, do the program or refuse to, we're going to kick the whole family out. I mean, what are you going to do? Right. And so right. It, it becomes a, there's no real actual, uh, progress being made for most of them. I'm not saying for, for, for any of them. I mean, we, we've, we've known some, um, a, a few people that have been over there that, that I think genuinely are in a, in a difficult situation and genuinely are trying, right? Single moms that have jobs and trying to do some of that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying that, but, but, but in general, that becomes an area where, where, where it just, it's cyclical, right? It just keeps, keeps going and going, mm-hmm. propagating itself. So, um, uh, yeah, I forget where I was going with all that. I, I think oftentimes the government feels that it's, it's responsibility. I mentioned this earlier mm-hmm. to, pro- to provide for the people. And I don't, I don't believe that's a government responsibility um, to provide. I think the governments are are there to protect, to like you know, like <laughs> earlier, uh, to to reward the good, to punish the evil. Um, but when people make bad decisions, sometimes they need to live with the consequences. Um, if they want help, there are resources available, and we should be investing in those programs. I think that are that are trying to provide long and lasting rehabilitation for people, uh, not just solving the problems of today. And I think so often what we do is we just throw something at the problem of today. Oh, they're building the camp. Well, it's not great conditions. So let's put outhouses or uh, porta potties there. Oh, we're not sure what to do. Oh, well, let's give them access to the, to the power and to water. Um, you know, you mm-hmm. get things, organizations like Jules Helping Hands, which is in the news right now, is, you know, being basically told to, I think, to cease and desist, but, you know, setting up a uh, watering cooling stations, you know, right nearby, right. which is a seemingly good thing to do, right? Uh, human impulse wise, like, oh, there's all these people that need help. Let's right. help them. Um, but, it, but it's only, propagating the situation because it's only trying to solve the, the needs of today and not the larger issues. I don't know. That, that didn't really, mm-hmm. I said a lot of stuff without any saying anything, <laughs> well, I, which I, is what I like to do. So I there you go. You, oh, <laughs> no. you, you put a spotlight, not a pinpoint laser light, but a spotlight on a really complicated issue. Um, and by complicated, I think in, in these days in our public discourse, whenever anyone says, well, it's complicated, that suddenly becomes um, a kind of a non-answer. So I don't want to mm-hmm. use it in that way. I really mean it. I, is it complicated? I want to throw that out there. I think it is. I wanna, yeah. And, and here's why. Why is it complicated? Well, I'll just, I'll shift from Spokane to <laughs> Seattle. Okay. Well, Seattle is complicated. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But by the way, I, I mentioned Seattle because I think little towns are always trying to be like big towns and big towns have totally, have totally mismanaged this. I'm not saying I've got a solution for it, but what they've done hasn't worked obviously because it just right. gets worse. So I think towns like, just like anything, right? Little mm-hmm. towns like Spokane are like, oh, we want to be like the cool guys, Seattle and San no. Francisco and LA. And it's like, well, they have, they've made it worse. Nope. But here's why I think it's complex. Don't the, be like them. Yeah, we don't. We don't want to be like them. Nope. But we don't want Spokane to be like them. But so no. many in Spokane do. Oh, you go to South Hill. Yes. By the way, when I go to South Hill, it smells like Seattle. Not literally. I mean, figuratively. Mm-hmm. It's like a little neighborhood in Seattle. When I go up to South Hill, which part of the South Hill? Oh, any of the parts that I go to. Uh, <laughs> which which I, uh, I, I found out Spokane has a Reddit subreddit. Oh, does it? Yeah. 
And so I popped on there and then I immediately despaired. Mm. Oh, really? It is so sad. So vitriolic, so hateful, and so slanted in one mm. direction that is not the roots of this of this city. I I uh too bad. It is too bad. A couple questions have come out there. I love that you brought up the vitriol online because this is the opportunity for believers. <laughs> yeah. Um you've got uh, to your first question on why is it complicated? I think it's complicated because you have you the mismanagement of the city policy in Seattle has led to a horrible problem of addiction, violence, corruption, and now a sense of apathy in the people that make a city a city. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement doesn't arrest because they know that the the prosecutor, prosecutorial arm of government mm-hmm. will just let them out. Um, you have a so you have you have apathy is set in, and the reason I say it's complex is they've created a problem for so long that now, even if you had the resolve to just say we're kicking all these guys out, where are they going to go? They're going to go to Tacoma. Tacoma will kick them out. I mean, it's a huge problem. Like you've created mm-hmm. a, a a a population of of folks that uh, you have trained. To re to live a certain way, and by training, right. you've trained them in 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 your inaction and your poor and your badly managed uh, city policies. Mm. It's it, a great way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, it absolutely works, and so they've discipled entire populations of of addicts and various other problems. Primarily, a lot of it mental mental issues, all sorts of issues. Mm-hmm. So the 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 question is, even if you could solve this at the character level, like you raise up a generation mm-hmm. of, of people in Seattle or here in Spokane that are like. Oh yeah, personal responsibility. Not only is it a reality, but it leads to a better quality of life. When I when I mm-hmm. am in fear of if I don't take responsibility for this, I will pay the consequences. So I must. It leads to a better. But even if you did all that, you still have this group of people mm-hmm. that you have, as I like the word, discipled to live a certain <laughs> way. Mm-hmm. And good luck changing the the wiring. Uh, mm. What do you do with that? So. Um, yeah. When I say it's complicated, it's not a punt. It's just more of a realization mm-hmm. of even if you could fix this, and if you notice where I started with the fix, the fix is at the character level. So the fixes with families, fixes with kids, fixes with the way people take take personal responsibility for their actions and choices, and don't expect some vague third party down at city hall to bail me out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm responsible for my choices and I reap the wind, uh, the whirlwind when I make bad choices, even if you could raise up a generation like that. Cause I think that's part of the problem is mm-hmm. that the, that level of personal character is not, has not been cultivated. Uh, you still have this, this current generation. I mean, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I'm kind of focused, you know, camp hope is not thousands of people. Um, but the fact that it's called camp hope, I shows, shows another, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shows another view on this that I think is wrong, wrongheaded. So mm-hmm. that that's where I was come from. With yeah, and I didn't mean to be a, a punk about it. Uh, no, please. The do. reason I, I that's cool. yeah, the yeah. reason I asked the question is, I think the the comp- the difficulty of the situation is high. The complexity of the situation sort of depends on what you're solving for. Sure. And and I think there's two ways to go about it. One that we've been trying as a. Uh, as a city approach to these issues for a while with 
catastrophic results and one that I think God actually commends us to. The the current approach is how do I change fallen human behavior by monkeying with incentives and programs? And how do I fix the problem of a broken world, right? How do I fix that? And that's incredibly complicated because you're trying to solve for a variable that is not solvable for, right? There's no answer. (laughs) There's no answer. doesn't matter how many decimal places you calculate out the human condition to, you still have a fallen remainder, (laughs) you Mm. know, it just, you never get to the solution. Uh, And so I think that's the wrong variable to try to solve for. Like, how do I end homelessness? How do I end human suffering? Um, That's not actually, I think, the right way to go about it. I think the right way to go about it is to ask the question, how do I live righteously? And that becomes a responsibility question. And I think that becomes a lot less complicated. Sure. And it doesn't actually then become heartless, but it moves the discomfort. It moves the discomfort. We like to move the discomfort away from ourselves by making it the government's problem. Like all those poor people, right? The let's empower the government to fix everything. Please go take care of that unsettling problem over there. And then if we hear those people are suffering bad government, do more, spend more money, do more programs, do more things, all the things, fix the problem. Mm -hmm. That's complicated and hopeless. Uh, If instead we said, okay, what is the government's responsibility Okay, they are to be a rewarder of the good, they are to be a punisher of, of the evil. They have uh, a God-given rep, you know, ability to, to bear the sword for protection externally, for enforcement internally of righteous standards. Okay, that's what they're there for. Mm-hmm. So what is, their, what is their responsibility in this situation? Their responsibility in this situation is to say that that is an unrighteous encampment, mm-hmm. right? It is, it is illegal and it is to the detriment of our city. Mm-hmm. It's bad, so it has to stop. So you guys can't camp there. You've got until Friday and we're bulldozing anything that's left into a big pile and burying it. Right. That that's the city's responsibility. Yeah. And you might say, Mm -hmm. well, that's heartless. No, that's what's that's their responsibility. But Mm -hmm. what about all those people? Okay, yes, that's still something we need to talk about. So then what's the next level of institutions down from there? Right. And and that's where you begin working into bringing the problem from out there closer to the individual. Right. Uh, So now you've got churches in the area. What can we do as churches that have been called to be salt and light in this world and to represent the love of Christ in this world? Uh, What can we be doing to provide an open opportunity for those individuals not to enter into a government program, but to enter into healthy relationships with people that can disciple them in the truth? Because they've been discipled in the lie. Some will take advantage of that. And if they take advantage of that in the context of healthy relationships, that's where success can take place with the, you know, by the grace of God, because we're talking human nature. He's the only one that can change it. But the successful environment that God has established for that to take place is that is that healthy relationships. If somebody says, okay, I'm willing to try and enters into a government program, the government program does not have the preconditions for their success. It's relying on the fact that they just have a disadvantaged, naturally good bent towards the truth. 
and we don't right. <laughs> as humans, we don't. Mm. Um, whereas the church is operating under the principle that we're all sinners and wretches and God gave us his word that helps us to figure out which direction's north and he can give us his spirit so that we can actually then pursue that. Uh, so that, that becomes then a, an issue can, that can be worked on at that level. There's the family level. These people in Camp Hope, most of them have some relatives, right, that have a responsibility. Maybe not a legal one, but they have a God-given moral responsibility. Mm-hmm. Where are they? Where is the cultural pressures of shame that used to... Wait, you're telling me your uncle's out there? Mm-hmm. And you're not doing anything for your uncle? Mm-hmm. Right? That should, be a, that should be a source of public shame at some level if families are like, that's not my problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the level of the individual who has a, who has a responsibility to self-mastery. And a lot of what's going on at Camp Hope... There are, I, and you could probably say in the vast majority, there, there are, I'm, I would not be surprised to find there are individuals out there who through, through the providential circumstances that they've been through and through sin that has been perpetuated against them are largely out there sort of irrespective of their agency. But a lot of the folks that are out there are out there because they have chased idols that are liars and thieves and have robbed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a there's a failure of personal responsibility there as well. And so I think it actually gets fairly simple on that scale. Uh, and that's actually then where help can can uh, be best brought to bear on a situation like this is if we're we're not asking the question, how do I fix things I don't have power to fix? But how do I righteously be responsible responsible to what God has called me to do at the different levels of of institution in society that God has ordained? If I'm a I am an individual, I have responsibilities there. I am part of a family, I have responsibilities there. I should be part of a church, I have responsibilities there. I may or may not be a part of the state, but if I was, then I have responsibilities there and execute those and trust the plan, right? Trust trust God's plan that that's what will bring about the greatest amount of human flourishing. And there will be individuals who, despite all of that, will choose the path of destruction. And my, my assertion would be, if your society is such that it is so graceless that a person who is trying to avoid destruction cannot find a friend something's wrong. But if your society is such that a person who chooses the path of destruction can have the expectation he will not be allowed to, then that actually, you, you no longer have a healthy functioning society. Right. Because you have had to compromise freedom and you've had to compromise the other institutions so dramatically to try to ensure that outcome that, that you're in a broken society. So I... I do think it's simpler than we make it out to be. It's just a lot harder because that means more individuals have to get involved in bigger messes. And there's an alignment amongst all those individuals, right? Yes. Like, like if they're out of alignment, right? Um, even if you have people intervening at the right levels, but you've got a government that keeps saying, oh, no, 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 it's our problem. We'll provide for you. It, it kind of... Um, it, it scuttles potentially or makes it harder, that whole process of of taking learning and taking your pers- your responsibilities seriously at all the different levels you described. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So as, you know, as dads, as I was raising families, I think that factors in heavily to how we need to be training our children uh, and functioning as a family that our children recognize 
how critical it is that they learn to master themselves, that they do not, they do not get to be coddled in their sin, in their giving into sinful impulses, which doesn't mean that we're harsh. You know, there, there needs to be grace in our parenting, but our children need to recognize that your flesh is an existential threat to you, <laughs> right? Yeah. This is, this is death at work in your life. You need Christ and you need to walk a holy life and, and discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And as parents, we need to let them fail. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is part of that process. And, and you do so not because you weren't paying attention. <laughs> you do so because you made a, um, a love-based, um, decision now and of course yeah. we've we've talked about things like this before about risk and uh, it, it, there's there's levels of failure you would not yeah. allow you know if they're going to start doing hard drugs you <laughs> intervene right you don't let yeah. them fail there but there's other areas where you let them let them experience the sting of irresponsibility <laughs> leading to consequence yeah. and that in and of itself is a loving lesson absolutely and that's part of the function then of that family as as a restraint and as a as an incubator of, of righteousness uh, and and train them then to take responsibility. Uh, look around you. What has God put in your path where you can be an agent of grace uh, and 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 be that minister of a, a righteous minister, but a but a gracious minister around you without being well. Well, I think the state hopefully has a program for that. And sometimes too, we take personal responsibility, biblical responsibility, mm-hmm. biblical commands. Um, those are not necessarily to become government policy. It's a difference there, exactly. right? My generosity, my, my, my compulsion to mercy and love mm-hmm. in a good Samaritan style situation. Mm-hmm. That is not God's design for a government. Right. Governments just, can't be mm, gracious the, 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 the two, in that regard <laughs> the, because t- they don't have any resources to be gracious with. Right. They right. took, they took my stuff and they gave it to somebody else without <laughs> asking me. That's not grace. Right. right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a different di- thing. People get confused. There's a lot of conflation in modern life. Like Maybe there was an think, ancient life. Yeah. Like people think that the early church was communist. No. Cause what a, if anybody's like, nah, I don't feel like having my stuff in common. The church didn't show up with guns and say, well, turn it over or we'll shoot you. It's purely voluntary. Right. And with joy. Right. Yes. Yes. That, that is a, that is a gracious form of, of living, which worked in that time of crisis. But you also think about it. They can, were consuming all of their assets for meeting temporary needs. Right. So not a long-term strategy, but a, a beautiful picture of love. Hmm. Which then, if you try to make it into a, a state level obligation, becomes a terrible thing. Yeah, a tyranny, and, no doubt. But yeah, and yeah. I, and that's what we're living with right now. We have we have actually in the pursuit, so called, of government being compassion, compassionate. We have empowered tyrants. We have incentivized sin and human suffering. We've incubated violence and addiction because these these camps really focus on. A couple of really sinful elements. Yep. Or at least they, 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 that's their, one of their, couple of their primary characteristics. Yeah. And we have then created a catechism and a discipleship, Mm. which, which will destroy this civilization if left unchecked. It, it is, it is already yeast working its way through the loaf in that regard. Uh, and that's not to impugn the motives of, of many of the individuals involved in these things. It's just to say that it, it doesn't work. It's a doesn't bad work. idea. And if you actually love these people, as we should, you will be very, very focused on how do I, how do I operate righteously 
knowing it's going to be painful for me and and there will be people that will reject that righteousness to their own detriment. Yeah. And that is hard to watch, but it, it is going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, again, that, that was just my, my thought when we, because I think I would also probably say it's complicated if someone had asked me cold. But it, it occurs to me that if what we're trying to solve for is fixing the problem, it is very complicated. If what we're trying to solve for is what does God expect us to do now, it actually gets a lot simpler. And yeah. I think that that's part of uh, the Christian advantage is we can walk into a, a, a relatively hopeless looking situation, which our world is full of. We're going through Ecclesiastes you know, yes. with our youth. Vanity of vanities. We can walk into mm. a relatively hopeless situation and not say it's my responsibility to fix this because God's going to fix this. That's his job. But that as... As one of his children, he's just, he's told me what I'm supposed to do today. And that part's pretty straightforward. And, and as usual, God perfectly bridges opposites, right? Yeah. It's simpler, but it's also harder for me personally, right? It's hard. It, it, whereas the, mm -hmm. the, the other one is it's complicated, but it's somebody else's problem. It's right. complicated, so it's easier for me. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. I just chat about it on a podcast or whatever. But as is usually the case, uh, God's way does tend to be simpler, but it also... It, it, it also requires, um, I just, it's just, it's more difficult in some ways because I have to do something. I'm mm -hmm. responsible to do something. Yeah. yeah. And there's the Jekyll and Hyde nature of it in, the, yeah. in a city that is simultaneously arguing in many cases, how immoral it is to dismantle camp hope. And at the same time, how dare you move them into the hotel in my neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, the problem the, in a nutshell. The Martha's Vineyard syndrome. <laughs> yes. uh, well, yeah. Kayla, I'm going to completely blame you that we are achieving we, a record well, time yeah. of 77 yes. minutes. Is it a record? Uh, it might be a record. Maybe maybe a record. Yeah, but it's gone, been a while. We've gone long. Okay. Pro tip, it's too late. Play it back in one and a half or two times speed. That's right. It's too late. We should have prefaced <laughs> I it. I like that. pro tips that are seventy-seven minutes too late. Yes, too <laughs> well, late. Well, I will. Uh, we got uh, a wedding coming up, so I've been thinking about uh, this book here. Mm, yes, maybe I should give it to my son. Don'ts for husbands. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> as we close, a, a one more quick uh, word of advice from uh, from our oh, good dear. friend Blanche. Um, I'm not sure how you say that really, but anyway, uh, here we go. Uh, for husbands, uh, for my you son, just kind of need to yell, Blanche. Yeah, I just imagine like some old show with some <laughs> Blanche, Blanche. I don't know if that's right. All right, <laughs> don't name your daughter Blanche. No, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a great name. Uh, don't separate your pursuits from your wife's more than is necessary. Do your gardening together. Work, talk, and plan together, and you will become truer comrades every year. That's good. Mm. There we go. Probably not using the word Does comrade have to be the today. gardening. Mm, see, it can be. Yeah. I think the idea is, you know, what, what you do, attempt to do together. Yeah. You're like walk after the ducks and stuff. There you go. Did you? Raise your kids together. Do you walk after the ducks as like a hobby? No, I'm, I was kidding. Your ducks, your ducks you roam. Linda just like strolling serenely your, to the backyard, following your, the ducks. Are like, why do they keep following us? Your, your ducks have more have more room to roam. You let That's your ducks true. out in the whole yard. I think. Yeah. Right? We kind of because because they became such fast 
pals with the chickens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a mixed flock. We can't just let them all out everywhere. Or it would Fair be enough. a madhouse in our garden. So, because okay. the ducks can't get up there, but the chickens are like all over the place. So, <laughs> they would scratch it to death. Which we're almost to the season. Once we bring in the last of the harvest of peppers and whatnot, that we will actually let them out to roam all around right, just to go. scratch it all up and can, fertilize can I, a little can bit. I propose a, a subject for a future episode, yeah. which will, will, will be called Caleb's backyard, because <laughs> there's so many interesting things. There's, we can just call it the back porch. Every, Caleb's always got like. Yeah, the back porch <laughs> or Caleb's house. <laughs> You've got so many interesting things going on. Yeah, I keep thinking you're uh, going to pop over the fence and say hello from the whistle well, it's stop. That nice new fence. But, I, I don't want to touch it. It's beautiful. Yeah, well, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my fear is that you'll be in the hot tub and I'll be yeah. inter- interfering uh, yeah. with something. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, uh, and on that note, right, on that note we thank you for Caleb listening to Speedo. us here at the porch. <laughs> um, we, we do have a list of things we would love to uh, get to from one of our uh, listeners. But if you have things you'd mm-hmm. love for us to talk about or if you'd like to come on the show, um, please drop us a line. You can visit us at uh, bombadillsporch.com or uh, bombadillsporch at gmail.com if you'd like to drop us a, a note. And we would love to hear from you. Hope you have a great day. 